Live sequencing enables temporal transcriptomic recording of single cells. An article by Wans Chain, Bard Planck, and others from Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, Lausanne, Switzerland, Nature, 2022. Single cell transcriptomics has greatly advanced our ability to characterize cellular heterogeneity. However, Single-cell transcriptomics RNA requires lysing cells, which impedes further molecular and functional analysis on the same cells. Here we established live sequencing a single-cell transcriptome profiling approach that preserves cell viability during RNA extraction using fluidic force microscopy, thus allowing to couple a cell-ground state transcriptome to its downstream molecular and phenotypic behavior. To benchmark live sequencing, we used cell growth function responses and wall cell transcriptome readouts to demonstrate that live sequencing can accurately satisfy diverse cell types and states without inducing major cellular perturbations. As a proof of concept, we show that live sequencing can be used to directly map a cell's trajectory by sequentially profiling the transcriptomes of individual Macrophages before and after lipopolysaccharides stimulation and of adipose stromal cells pre and post differentiation. In addition, we demonstrate that live sequencing can function as a transcriptomic recorder by pre registering the transcriptomes of individual macrophages that were sequentially monitored by time lapse imaging after LPS exposure. This enables the unsupervised genome-wide ranking of genes on the basis of the ability to affect macrophages LPS response heterogeneity, revealing B-cell NFK via expression, level and cell cycle states as important phenotypic determinants, which we experimentally validated. Thus, live sequencing can address a broad range of biological questions by transforming single-cell RNA sequencing from an endpoint to a temporal analysis approach. A cell's response to an internal or external stimulus is known to be heterogeneous, with some cells responding more strongly than other seemingly similar cells. However, it is challenging to understand how a cell's molecular state affects the speed and the extent to which it responds to a perturbation such as inflammation, signal or a differentiation stimulus. The main obstacle is that most genome-wide profiling methods destroy the cell, which makes follow-up molecular phenotypic experiments on the same cell impossible. Several cell profiling approaches have been developed in recent years to address this limitation of destructive sampling, which can be broadly grouped into two categories. First, purely computational approaches will infer a cell's past on the basis of a snapshot measurement, either through connecting similar cellular states into a continuous trajectory or through modeling messenger RNA splicing dynamics. Although insightful, the models generated by these tools should still be interpreted as statistical expectations rather than the actual transition path of the cells. Moreover, the power of these techniques to correctly infer a cell's past
at long time scales and at individual gene level remains controversial. A second category of approaches will tag a cell or some of its molecules. For example, metabolic labeling of mRNA can distinguish newly synthesized mRNA molecules from old ones. Alternatively, cells can be tagged genetically and their daughter cells can then be tracked independently for molecular or phenotypic profiling. Although these molecular approaches are powerful, they are typically only applicable on short time scales or on a few features per cell and dependent on several biological assumptions to infer the initial state of a cell. These assumptions include homogeneous degradation rates across cells and genes or maintenance of a molecular state over generations, which can be violated at the level of individual genes. Here we introduced live sequencing, a technology that keeps the cell alive after transcriptome profiling by using a cytoplasmic biopsy. The approach is based on fluidic force microscopy, fluid FM, which couples force control with volume control and was previously shown to allow single cell extractions. By optimizing both the fluid FM procedure and low input RNA sequencing approach a combining them. We show that high quality cytoplasmic mRNA can be withdrawn from live single cells in amount that is comparable with transcriptome profiling. As this procedure can be performed while keeping the cells alive, it allows to directly couple the current state of a cell to its downstream molecular and phenotypic properties. We demonstrate how live sequencing can be used to perform sequential molecular profiling of the same cells. In addition, we show that live sequencing can function as a transcriptome recorder by pre-registering the transcriptomes of individual macrophages to substantially identify factors underlying macrophage lipopolysaccharides, LPS, response heterogeneity, uncovering basal NFK, BIE expression level and cell cycle state as important phenotypic determinants. Results The basics of live sequencing. We have previously shown that fluid FM can be used to sample a fraction of the cytoplasm of a cell while preserving its viability. The quantitative PCR qPCR assays for selected housekeeping genes thereby demonstrated that the collected biopsies contain mRNA, raising the exciting possibility that fluid FM could be used to profile the transcriptome of a live cell. Before exploring this opportunity, we first optimize the fluid FM extraction procedure to maximize RNA recovery. This is because we anticipated the cytoplasmic biopsies of about 1 pL would only yield a few picograms of RNA, down even to sub-picograms, given that the total RNA content in mammalian cells ranges from as little as 1 UP to 50 pg, dependent on the cell type. We thus set out to minimize the degradation of sampled RNA and the loss of 
already picolated scale sample during the cell to tube transfer by 1. reducing the extraction time, 2. lowering the temperature, 3. implementing the preloading of the fluid FM probe with sampling buffer with the goal of immediately mixing the extracted cytoplasmic fluid with RNAs inhibitors. 4. Releasing the extract into a microliter droplet containing buffer that is compatible with downstream RNA sequencing. And 5. Implementing image-based cell tracking for sequential extraction. In parallel, we aim to maximize the generation of complementary DNA from the extracted mRNA, as Smart Sequencing 2 was widely appreciated as one of the most sensitive RNA sequencing methods to detect low amounts of RNA. At the time of method development, we examined where this could amplify cDNA at the expected picogram scale. Although successful for RNA inputs above 5 pJ, little to no cDNA was recovered from inputs of 2 pg or less. To improve recovery, we systematically assessed and sequentially optimized the efficiency of each step in the workflow. These efforts yielded a protocol that enables the reliable detection of one picogram of total RNA. Redoubts of several parameters attested to the high sensitivity of the methods, including 1. the high rate of uniquely mapped reads, to the number of detected genes and three, the gradual increase of the cumulative proportion of each library assigned to the top expressed genes from one PG input RNA, while absent in the negative control. Consistent with this, we observed that the reads from the negative control are overexpressed by poly A and TSO sequence stretches, and that they map to only few genes. Next, we combined fluid FM-based cytoplasmic sampling with our enhanced low-input RNA profiling workflow to explore the possibility of profiling transcriptomes from live cells. As an initial proof of concept, we sampled mouse-immortalized brown pre-adipocyte IBA cells and detected on average about 2,100 genes and gene at a sequencing depth of around 1 million reads per sample. At the same fluid FM probe can be used for sequential sampling of several cells, a wash process was implemented to prevent cross-contamination. Together, these technological advances constitute the dermatological foundation of live sequencing for transcriptome profiling using cytoplasmic biopsies. Stratification of cell types and states to assess the cell identity or even cell state resolved power of live sequencing derived cell transcriptomes, we applied our approach to distinct cell types. These include IBA cells, primary mouse, adipose stem and progenitor cells, ASPCs, and two monocytes or macrophage-like row 264.7 cell lines. One wild type and one row 264.7 subline containing an M-cherry reporter driven by the TNF promoter to facilitate downstream function analysis. The letter cell line and its parental row 264.7 line are molecularly and phenotypically similar. 
and will therefore be further referred to as row cells. In total, we acquired 641 samples across five replicates and generated 588 libraries for sequencing. From these 294 samples passed out filtering criteria, including 1. More than 1,000 genes per sample, 2. Fewer than 30% of reads derived from mitochondrial genes, and 3. More than 30% uniquely mapped reads. Similar to small sequencing 2, reads spanned the full length of transcripts. An average of 4,112 genes were detected. We observed that the live sequencing data separated into five clusters largely determined by cell type and state rather than library complexity, replicate identity of row cell subline. This supports live sequencing's ability to effectively profile and distinguish both primary and cultured cells and distinct cell states. The analysis for cell type comparing ASPC and row cells before and after simulation thereby showed consistent results. To validate the biological relevance of the five clusters, we performed differential gene expression analysis, followed by gene ontology enrichment, yielding results that were largely consistent with the cellular characteristics of each cluster. In addition, matching of the top 100 marker genes to mouse gene atlas annotations confirmed the expected molecular similarity of cluster 1, 2, and 3 cells to mouse embryonic fibroblasts and eostroblasts, reflecting their mesenchymal and fibroblast nature. Cluster 4 cells were correctly annotated as Rho264.7 macrophages without treatment and cluster 5 cells as macrophages with LPS treatment. To evaluate whether cytoplasmic mRNA biopsies can act as YouTube representations of full cell transcriptomes, we compared live sequencing gene expression profiles to those obtained using the wall sequencing smart sequencing 2SA. Using the same cell types and treatment groups, we sequenced 573 cells with single cell RNA sequencing with 554 cells passing the same filtering criteria applied to live sequencing samples. We detected and expected a greater average of genes per cell compared to live sequencing. 8,328 genes at a sequencing depth of around 70,000 reads per cell without the quality control parameters attesting to high data quality. Graph-based clustering accurately captured the underlying cell type and or state. Overall, the adjusted RAND indexes comparing the clustering with the group truth were high for both live sequencing and single-cell RNA sequencing, revealing high clustering accuracy. Although cell types were easily identified, a few cells were incorrectly assigned to cell treatment. These observations was consistent across the two techniques, which probably reflects the heterogeneity of the magnitude of the cell responses to treatments. However, slightly more cells were misassigned in live sequencing data. 
specifically for both ASPCs and raw cells combined. These represented 7.6 versus 2% of the total number of cells, potentially due to the lower sensitivity of live sequencing compared to single-cell RNA sequencing. Results obtained by differential gene expression analysis, followed by gene ontology enrichment, were in line with those obtained by live sequencing, in that the five clustered correctly notated mesenchymal or fibroblast-like cells and MOC-treated or LPS-treated macrophages, respectively. We then integrated the live sequencing and single-cell RNA sequencing data to explore putative molecular differences between the two conceptually distinct approaches. We found that cells of the same type and state highly correlated regardless of the sampling method. Even without bench correction, we observed a dominance of the cell type state signals over those stemming from the sampling approach. Moreover, the differentially expressed DE genes revealed from the live sequencing and single cell RNA sequencing datasets overlapped to a large extent, supported by high correlation of infall changes when comparing each cell state to the rest of all the cells and within each cell type. Compared to live sequencing, single-cell RNA sequencing yielded a larger number of DE genes that were not detected by live sequencing. Downsampling the single-cell RNA sequencing data to a library complexity that was similar to that of live sequencing reduced the proportion of DE genes that were detected by single-cell RNA sequencing only suggesting that an expected single-cell RNA sequencing provides greater power than live sequencing. Gene ontology enrichment on the DE genes that were specifically identified by either live sequencing or single-cell RNA sequencing did not reveal a stringing pattern of enrichment terms across different cell types, indicating that live sequencing is not biased towards a specific set of genes. Correlation analysis further revealed they made a readout of cells produced the expected pattern with the live sequencing gene expression profiles of IBA and pre and post differentiation ASPC correlating highest with the single cell RNA sequencing based ones and the same for raw cells with and without LPS treatment respectively. We finally applied a steward embedded single cell tailored canonical correlation analysis CCA and mutual nearest neighbors MNN based approach to remove any potential technical batch effects. This further consolidated the clustering of cells according to cell type and state, as illustrated by specific marker gene expression, regardless of sampling approach the sequencing depth. Together, these results demonstrate that live sequencing enables the stratification of cell types and states similar to conventional single-cell RNA sequencing, but without the need to lie cells. Live sequencing impact on cellular functions. The analysis described above allowed us to benchmark live sequencing the widely used conventional wall cell transcriptome profiling approach. However, 
for live sequencing to be effective as a temporary rather than endpoint analysis tool, it must preserve cell viability and not inflict any undesired perturbations on the sampled cells. To test these capacities, we first evaluate cell viability after sampling. Cell viability was similar for the three cell types, ranging between 85% and 89%. This was only slightly lower than that of the conventional trypsin-based cell dissociation. Cell viability did not scale with the extracted volume, which itself ranged from 0.2 to 3.5 pL, with an average of 1.1 pL. We note here that even though the extracted volume can be readily determined, the one of the extracted adherent cells cannot. Although we observed a very weak correlation between extracted volume and the number of detected genes and reduct count, especially when all cell types were considered together, extracted volume as a feature did not affect cell clustering. Together with this relatively high variation number of detected genes on a PSA basis, also for conventional single-cell RNA sequencing approaches, and the fact that single-cell RNA sequencing and live cell sequencing data integrated well, the results indicate that live sequencing and single-cell RNA sequencing may be subject to comparable technical constraints linked to limited RNA inputs. The observed high cell viability suggests that cells are able to quickly recover after a portion of their cytoplasm has been removed. To study the recovery of live sequencing probed cells in greater detail, we next examined the growth dynamic of raw cells after live sequencing using time-lapse microscopy. We focused on raw cells for two reasons. One, their semi-adherent nature and consequently almost spherical shape allowed for a straightforward approximation of the cell volume over time, and two, their size is the smallest among the three sample cell types, thus their behavior may be most affected by cytoplasmic extraction. We first measured longitudinal cell volume profiles for control row cells that were not subjected to live sequencing sampling. The obtained volume profiles showed a continuous increase under normal growth conditions, whereas they showed a plateau of exposure to LPS, consistent with the known ability of LPS to arrest the macrophage cell cycle upon mitosis. The two daughter cells featured equal volumes representing 50% of the mother cell followed by overlapping volume growth. We next examined cells that underwent live sequencing sampling and were subsequently exposed to LPS. Upon extraction, a drop in cell volume was observed. These degrees matched the measured volume of cytoplasmic fluid collected in the fluid FM probe and represented 40% to 70% of the total cell volume. The extraction was followed by steep cell volume increase, whereby the extracted row cells recover their pre-extraction volume within 100 to 320 minutes, and then continued to grow with a general growth pattern that was similar to the controlled cells. 
Although we cannot rule out that life sequencing introduces a small cell cycle delay, a cell size and cell division tend to be intrinsically coupled. Our results indicate that cells quickly recover their volume and still progress through the cell cycle even after having been subjected to a cytoplasmic biopsy. Assessing cell viability and growth dynamics, however, does not exclude putative short-term molecular effects that life sequencing may impose on target cells that may not be visible at the phenotypic levels. To address this, we used standard single-cell RNA sequencing to profile the individual transcriptomes of IBA cells, one-hour and four-hour post-cytoplasmic sampling, while using non-probed cells as negative controls. Quality controls on the cell DNA and sequencing libraries were indistinguishable among the three cell groups. Data analysis revealed no distinct condition-related clusters, further supported by the observation that only 12 genes were found to be significantly DE among the three conditions. To investigate subtle changes in biological processes that may not be visible at the DE level, we performed a gene set enrichment analysis on gene ontology biological process terms using the expression levels of all genes, but these did not reveal any specifically enriched process. Thus, these experiments suggest that life sequencing does not induce major gene expression alterations. Altogether, we conclude that life sequencing enables the profiling of cell transcriptomes without imposing major perturbations on a cell's basic properties, such as viability, growth or transcriptome. This, in turn, opens a new avenue to link a cell's state directly to its present and future molecular and phenotypic properties, paving the way to directly map a cell's trajectory or to record molecular events that are predictive of a cell's downstream phenotype sequential live sequencing cell sampling. A large number of computational approaches have been developed to infer cellodynamics from one-time sampling data. Although clearly helpful, these approaches suffer from the fact that definition of the original molecular cell state is highly challenging in the absence of direct measurements. To alleviate this issue, we sought to establish a proof-of-principle sequential live sequencing sampling approach which would allow us to record a cell's molecular signature before and after cell state transitioning. To do so, we consider rapid and slower cell state transition model, response to extracellular stimuli, LPS, and differentiation, adipogenesis, respectively. For the former model, we sampled 24 raw cells for the first time, then stimulated them with LPS, after which we sampled the same cells a second time. In addition, the respective cells were also monitored by time-lapse microscopy after both sampling events. These efforts yielded four sequentially probed cells, reflecting the relatively modest proportions of cells that passed the transcriptome quality control cutoff criteria. To verify whether the respective gene expression profiles correctly showed the transition from a basal to an LPS-stimulated state, we projected a live-sequencing sequential sampling information 
on top of the integrated live sequencing and single-cell RNA sequencing data. We found that the sequentially sampled cells, each constituting two distinct points in the same T-distributed stochastic neighboring embedding map TSNE, mapped correctly to their respective cell state clusters, providing a direct transcriptome-wide readout of a cell's trajectory. Similarly, we set out to directly measure the adipogenic transition from a pre- to a post-differentiation state, to assure that the same ASPCs were sampled twice within this longer time window and thus can be paired, we implemented additional tracking strategies. These involved the use of a unique barcode in the 3' untranslated region of a green fluorescent protein, GFP, reporter that was lentivirally transduced in a subset of ASPCs that were sequentially mixed with wild-type ASPCs on cell seeding. Using this procedure, we are able to sequentially sample 44 cells and obtain 8 paired quality control passing gene expression profiles from ASPCs before differentiation and 2 days after typogenic cocktail induction, as confirmed by the recovery of the correct respective barcodes. Further monitoring of these cells for up to 7 days after the second extraction revealed no drop in cell viability of extracted cells, compared to controlled non-extracted cells. In addition, we observed lipid droplets in these sequentially probed cells, indicative of their retained adipogenic differentiation capacity. Projection of the retrieved 16 ASPC transcriptomes onto the integrated live sequencing and single-cell RNA sequencing data revealed the expected transition from pre- to differentiating ASPCs. These results demonstrate that for both transition models, live sequencing data could be exploited to establish the true trajectory of cells that were processed using conventional single-cell RNA sequencing. This contrasts with an inference-based analysis that we conducted further on the basis of both co-expression and RNA velocity, which revealed several spurious connections between unrelated cell states on single-cell RNA sequencing data. When all cell types were combined, as well as when each cell type was analyzed separately, even a limited number of live sequencing sample cells, as provided here, might thus provide a reference coordinate system to map cell trajectories of existing and future single-cell RNA sequencing datasets. Taken together, sequential sampling with live sequencing allows the acquisition of transcriptomic dynamics from the same cell, thus providing a direct readout of both rapid and slower cell state transitions. Recording ground state transcriptomics It is well recognized that macrophages include the raw cell's response to LPS in a heterogeneous fashion. Although this has been the subject of intense interrogation, no systematic genome-wide analysis of the molecular factors driving this heterogeneity has been performed. We use live sequencing to profile the transcriptomes of individual row cells to link the molecular state of each macrophage to its downstream, LPS-induced phenotype. 
Specifically, we first examined single row cells with live sequencing to record their respective transcriptomes in the ground state. We then subjected the same cells to LPS treatment and monitored LPS-induced TNF-promoter-driven mTOR expression by live cell imaging. We observed that TNF mTOR intensity increased on LPS treatments, although this intensity varied greatly between raw cells consistent with previous findings. No significant difference in the heterogeneity of TNF mTOR intensity profiles was observed between cells subjected to live sequencing sampling and those that were not. These results provide additional support to the notion that live sequencing does not markedly affect a cell's phenotype. Given the canonical heterogeneous response of raw cells to LPS, we then set out to uncover the principal ground state molecular factors that drive this heterogeneity. We used a linear regression model correlating the expression of live sequencing detected genes within individual cells with the corresponding TNF mTOR response profiles, specifically given that we observe that the long form of each response profile is a linear function during a 3 to 7.5 hour post LPS treatment time window. We aimed to use ground stage gene expression data to predict the two principal TNF mTOR profile parameters, the basal TNF mTOR expression and the rate of resistance intensity increase. Applying the linear model revealed TNF as the best predictor of basal TNF mTOR intensity, validating the accuracy of live sequencing. We next set out to identify factors that predict both the dynamic and amplitude to which a cell responds to LPS as defined by the rate of TNF mTOR intensity increase. Using the live sequencing data, we generated an unsupervised rank of factors according to which extent they affected a macrophage's ability to respond to LPS. We thereby identified gelsolin as one of the top negatively correlating factors, consistent with its role in suppressing LPS-induced TNF expression probably by direct LPS inactivation. The strongest transcriptional predictor of the rate of TNFM cherry intensity increase was NFK-PIA. This anticorrelation only emerged because of live sequencing ability to measure ground state gene expression and downstream phenotypic response, whereas conventionally endpoint single cell RNA sequencing data in fact revealed a positive correlation between NFK, BIA, and TNF. The NFK, BIA, TNF anticorrelation is consistent with the well-known function of NFK, BIA as a key regulator of the LPS, NFK, B signaling pathway by suppressing NFK, B, which itself regulates the co-expression of both NFK, BIA, and TNF. These findings highlight the complementarity of the live cell-based dynamic approach and the single-cell RNA sequencing-based snapshot assay. Moreover, although many genes are known to regulate the LPS-NFKB signaling pathway, including I-kappa-B kinases as positive regulators and A20 as a negative one, the transcriptome 
wide readout enabled by live sequencing points to NFK BIA expression as the strongest predictor of LPS-induced TNF expression. Thus, although live sequencing sampling is currently throughout limited at 4 to 5 extractions per hour due to downstream processing and following the fate of individual cells by live imaging, it still provided sufficient data to generate testable hypotheses. To validate the hypothesis that NFKBIA expression can act as a transcriptional predictor of LPS-induced TNF expression, we first analyzed transcriptomic data from several primary macrophage populations. We uncovered NFKBIA expression as the most viable among the annotated NFKB pathway components, supporting NFKBIA expression as an important driver of macrophages LPS response heterogeneity. Next, we set out to experimentally validate our live sequencing based findings in raw cells by generating a raw G9 line containing a blue fluorescent protein, BFP, reporter under the control of the NFK BIA promoter. We observed that LPS treatment effectively induced an increase in NFK BAE BFP fluorescence intensity, which was synchronous with the increase in fluorescence intensity of the TNF MTR reporter similar to the endogenous gene. These observations suggested that the generator's reporter can be used as a proxy of NFKBIA expression. We thus demonstrate that, as proposed, basal NFKBIA BFP intensity is a transcription predictor of the rate of TNF M cherry intensity increase. Finally, we correlated the ground state cell cycle phase of each cell as inferred from pre-recorded live sequencing data to its corresponding downstream LPS response profile. This analysis was motivated by LPS reporters' capacity to inhibit macrophage cell cycle progression, which seems consistent with the observed anticorrelation between the conventional single-cell RNA sequencing derived as phase score of raw cells and TNF expression. Yet, this anticorrelation may also reflect that macrophages' ability to respond to LPS is influenced by its cell cycle phase, which is why we exploited our live sequencing data to distinguish between these two plausible scenarios. Our analysis revealed that cells tend to respond weaker to LPS when they are in S phase. To experimentally validate this observation, we expressed a fluorescent ubiquitination-based cell cycle indicator in raw cells. Before LPS stimulation, this indicator was tracked for 24 hours to determine the cell cycle phase of each cell, after which the LPS-induced TNFM cherry fluorescence intensity was measured. As the FUCHI system does not allow distinguishing the S from G2M phase, the boundary between this S and G2M phase was assigned by timing. As shown, cells in S phase responded significantly weaker to LPS stimulation compared to the G1 and G2M phase counterparts, validating the live sequencing data. Together, these findings underscore the power of 
live sequencing to act as a recording tool for the transcriptomes of individual cells and predict their phenotypic behavior. Discussion It is well known that seemingly similar to cells can respond differently to an external signal. However, resolving the molecular mechanisms underlying differential cellular responses has been challenging given the difficulty in coupling an molecular state to downstream response. Indeed, most current methods are either limited in the number of features that can be assessed per cell or require the destruction of cells to assess the AST transcriptome. To alleviate this, we establish live sequencing by coupling an enhanced fluid FM-based live cell biopsy technology to a highly sensitive RNA sequencing approach. We showed that live sequencing is capable of distinguishing cells and states while keeping cells alive and functional. This conclusion is based on the fact that cells proceeded in their cell cycle remains LPS responsive similar to control cells preserved adipogenic differentiation capacity and showed only minor transcriptomic changes after cytoplasmic sampling. There is great interest in new technologies that can improve our ability to determine cell dynamics. This is exemplified by the recent development of one single cell RNA sequencing coupled lineage tracing, which superimposes clonal information on single-cell transcriptomes to better resolve lineage relationships. And two methods that metabolically label newly synthesized RNA with the aim of recording transcriptional dynamics by differentiating old versus new RNA. In particular, mRNA synthesis rates can be read out using metabolic labeling making it a valuable tool to assess how a perturbation affects gene expression dynamics, such as nmRNA production and degradation rates. Answering the inverse question, that is, resolving how the ground state transcriptome of a cell affects its responsive to a perturbation remains challenging because of the various assumptions the need to be made to infer a cell's initial state when using endpoint methodologies. Live sequencing now bypasses these assumptions by directly measuring ground state gene expression levels. As a result, live sequencing is well suited to interrogate the gene expression state of a cell before exposing this same cell to one or more perturbations, either on short or long time scales. This is the case, for example, when aiming to identify which genes, pathways or cell processes drive heterogeneous cell response without having to select a set of focal genes, as demonstrated with our study on variation of LPS response in macrophages. Indeed, by leveraging the ability of live sequencing to act as a transcriptomic recorder, as well as a mRNA expression dominant role in determining protein levels at state state. We generated a genomic-wide statistical ranking of a gene's impact on macrophages' response to LPS. This revealed that the initial molecular state and in particular the expression levels of NFKBIA and GSN contribute significantly to overall phenotypic heterogeneity. 
Moreover, we uncover that the cell cycle phase also influences the LPS response, which we confirmed experimentally. Transcription and DNA replication in a cell's S phase are an inherent conflict, which can be a source of DNA damage and genome instability. It would, in this regard, be of interest to further explore whether cells in S phase respond weaker to transcription simulations as a general strategy to temporarily decouple DNA replication and transcription. Because life sequencing excels over longer time scales while minimizing the need for inference, it complements already available techniques to study cell dynamics. However, the scalability of life sequencing compared to the other mentioned methods is still limited. Life sequencing will therefore benefit from further automation procedures that may also expand the scope of life sequencing beyond cell culture. At present, with around 30% of the samples passing our data quality control criteria, an increase in mRNA detection sensitivity may further increase live sequencing efficiency. The implementation of low-input single-cell RNA sequencing methods such as SmartSec3, which already shares several features with the enhanced SmartSec2 method developed here, will in this regard be highly valuable. Not only will it improve the overall sensitivity and power of live sequencing, but also its ability to work with even smaller cytoplasmic extraction volumes, and thus to further reduce any possible cellular impact, which is especially important when probing smaller cell types, such as T-cells and certain stem cells. In summary, live sequencing enables single-cell transcriptome profiling as well as downstream molecular and functional analysis on the same cell at distinct time points, providing opportunities to address some of the long-standing biological questions pertaining to cell dynamics or cell phenotypic variation. We thereby expect the next generation of the live sequencing approach to allow for sampling of many more cells, aiming to alleviate relevant statistical power and cellular resolution concerns. As such, we anticipate that live sequencing will transform single-cell transcriptomics and possibly other omics technologies such as single-cell proteomics and metabolomics from the current endpoint type assay into a temporal analysis workflow. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have any ideas, suggestions or you want just to discuss this article, please feel free to contact me via Twitter. Pablo Link.